We play and call it work. Mini Wargamer Dave here from MiniWarGaming.com. Welcome, Wargamers, to the Shrine of Chaos. Today, we have Kiriath, a special guest. You may know him from all of the videos that you've seen him on YouTube. He has, uh, he's been doing this since uh, 2011. That's how long he's been doing this. Uh, it's well, been quite a while. That's when you started your YouTube channel anyway. I mean, it's really the last four technically years. Technically before that, yeah. yeah. I actually technically started YouTube before my channel existed um, because I started out on a totally different channel. Uh, uh, so I've, okay. I've kind of... Channel hopped I, I a little bit. Yeah, I, that's kind of put it into perspective as to just how long I've been like messing around with this, which is... <laughs> A little bit scary now, actually, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, you, you have racked up over 17 million views on your YouTube channel. Uh, well, your current one, I should say, because uh, <laughs> apparently there's more than one, which I did not know. Uh, so fantastic. You're just shy of 1,200 videos that you've done. And your style, which is, I, I want to say it's a, you're, you're a classic vlogger because you look at stuff. You have your, your daily your Monday reports and your sometimes Tuesday reports, and then you have your thoughts on new products, and then you have a whole different wide variety of different type of things that you like to talk about. You like to discuss things, things that are new, things that are questionable, things that make you think. <laughs> uh, well, questionable in the in the sense that it's like, I have a question about this, therefore I'm going yes. to present it to the community, and let's see what your guys' thoughts are on it. But there's something I did not I'm know about you. Just is general questionable stuff. General questionable <laughs> stuff. Uh, something I didn't know about you is that you started out doing gameplay videos, which is kind of kind of cool. Uh, that that was yeah. That, how did it change? How did that change? What was the I reason? I started to I I just started to get kind of bored of of like just video games in general. Like I, I for a while they were they were like the chosen escape and uh, and I use that as like my winding down time and before i had my before my channel was active um i was on another channel uh, called unit lost which i think is now rebranded mm. um but we did gameplay stuff there was two of us uh me and uh, me and a friend tom and we just we did gameplay and played games together and that was mostly what we did we did a couple of podcasts every week as well right and we kind of i kind of came out of that and started doing stuff on my channel and realized relatively like i'd say maybe a year and a half maybe a year in i forget how long it was i just started to realize i'm not actually enjoying half the games i play anymore hmm. like i'm doing it because i'm used to it like it's a habit thing of oh it's time to relax it's time to unwind i'll play a video game and then realized i'm not actually relaxing or unwinding and i'm not finding this game all that interesting and it's kind of it's kind of gone away a bit there. I need to try and find something else to fill my time and to maybe I should look at something else. And I've had like 40k stuff around for, well, since third edition. So however many horrendous number of years that is. Um, and I'd kind of taken a break from 40k and just modeling and painting in general. And uh, I kind of almost had that moment of going, I mean, I keep going back to Dawn of War and Space Marine and Dawn of War 2, and I keep reading the Horus Heresy books, and I should probably do something with all these models I've got lying around. Started painting, well, started kit bashing, more accurately, um, and went, oh, this is, okay, this is the thing. Mm. This is what I've been missing. Right. This is, I, I should have been doing this all along. This is way more fun than all of the things that I've been doing to kind of just relax and, and, and unwind and it just kind of built from there. I kind of started putting things together and didn't enjoy painting, but did it so I had a functional army. 
And uh, and then I, I kind of, by that point, I was still trying to do a bit of gaming stuff on the channel, but realized that one of the main components that made wargaming so much fun when I started it was talking to people about it. Right. Like having, going to like the local game store, having a, uh, we used to have like a big meetup every couple of weeks where we'd get a bunch of games in and, you know, just having loads of people to talk to and speculate with and just just that kind of communal sense of all doing something you enjoy. I was like, unfortunately, no one around me that I know anymore touches this. All the people I played with either moved away or they gave it up. Hmm. For a while, there wasn't even like a, a local gaming store to be had in my town. Yeah. Because the one I used to go to shut down and then reopened, but in a tiny space. So there was there was no kind of community there because there was no space for a community. Um, and so I was like, well, surely other people are talking about this. I can't be the only person who's sitting here with a YouTube channel going, you know, wanting to talk about 40k. And without really checking outside of looking to see how many people were doing like law videos, I thought, well, I've already got a bit of an audience. I might as well see if any of them are interested. Mm-hmm. So I kind of started talk slowly kind of talking about 40k stuff. And then as I got more wrapped up in the in like the new releases and mm-hmm. kind of it's around the time of uh, of like the Primaris being released and like the Primarchs coming back and the Death Guard redesign and all of that stuff. And I just, as soon as I started properly looking into it and getting caught up on new models, I I was immediately massively sucked back in. And I was like, I was just like, this is this is my life again now. This is it. I want that thing. I want that <laughs> model. I want to do this with that. That's it. I'm done. This is this is what I'm doing because this is way more fun than anything I've been doing in like the last few years. It's more interesting. It's more fulfilling. And I mean, clearly people are interested in talking about it because. Mm-hmm. The videos that mention 40k are doing way better than the videos involving gaming. So right. why am I still trying to hold on to this bit that I don't enjoy that much? <laughs> why don't I just talk about the thing I like? And yeah, that just set everything off and it's just been kind of upwards from there, really. Yeah, there was a, if I'm not mistaken, what you were saying there, it was right around like the dawn of 8th edition in the Primaris Marines. That I remember that one video that you made, which was you're talking about, okay, these guys, they're new. Are they a good idea? Let, let's talk about this, yeah. guys. What, what do you think about these guys? And so that kind of like, uh, it kind of like skyrocketed the the discussion at that. And that was that like, was about three years ago, maybe a little more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was. I I found that really interesting as someone coming back into into forty k, like because I'd taken that kind of extended break. I don't think I'd really developed the same. I don't like reverence, I guess, for, for, for Space Marines as a whole. I always loved the, the like adaptability of them, where you could decide on a custom chapter and then you could take any number of bits from other kits and you would have your own unique Space Marine faction and they could look however you liked and be painted however you wanted and you could make a backstory for them and that was you know fully integrated with the Imperium or make them renegade. So you could do anything in between. Mm-hmm. But the actual... like. I was always a little bit out of uh, out of sync with everyone else in my kind of gaming group because I always thought the tactical marines, especially, just looked a bit too squat. It never really sat right with me because I was like, they're the same height as guardsmen, but they're supposed to be tall. Like this, your average guardsman isn't like seven foot, so why is he the same height as a space marine? And yeah. even though I knew really why, it still never was like, yeah, I'm absolutely one hundred percent fine with this. I always found myself wishing if they were just that little bit just scaled up just that little bit so when the primary stuff showed up i was like oh they fixed 
they fixed it. Yeah. They're, they're, they're taller, they're the right scale, they're the right height. Admittedly, all the background stuff with the the way they introduce them with the law kind of means that it didn't really work like that technically, even though that's how it looked. But mm-hmm. I was kind of on board with the models at the very least. Yeah. And uh, a lot of the kind of discussion around the way they were introduced, I totally understood. But I'd also, I could also see why Games Workshop went the way they did. And I found some of the arguments against, like, Call coming up with the Primaris kind of missing something, I guess. Like, to me, anyway. I, I always try and preface anything I say, stuff like this, where it's, it's just me. Um, <laughs> where I was like... You, he- didn't, you hedge it with... Uh, just, yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's my opinion, and my opinion is, is probably wrong. Um, but, like, I always thought, well, he didn't make them from scratch. It's not like he, he had nothing and then went, look, Primaris. Instead, he took your standard space marine and spent like 10,000 years messing with it to make it slightly taller and a little bit tougher and like that's it that's the whole that's all he managed really i mean I know there's lots of in universe stuff that is technically better but when you look at the like the tabletop side of things i was always like yeah they're they're a bit better but they're not that much better for 10,000 years work you kind of expect something a little more robust a little more extreme a little bit more robust something like maybe more close to a primark for instance right and i always likened it to i always likened it to because i do a lot of work on my own guitars and stuff like replacing parts i didn't make the guitar it's the equivalent of the person who made the guitar making the guitar in like one week and then me taking four years to replace the pickups it's that kind of thing where it's like someone else has already done all of the work really quick and then I changed one part and it took me the better part of a decade. It's like it's it doesn't mean that I'm better than the person who made it. It just means I could tweak it slightly. And even then, I've not changed a huge amount. I've just done a little bit to make it better. And even then, has it been that successful after all? Like things like removing susceptibility to chaos corruption and stuff which clearly hasn't worked all that well or getting rid of all of the issues with gene seed when you've got blood angels that still fall into the black rage and the red thirst and it's like he didn't do a great job so maybe it's not that bad (laughs) so you got okay so popcorn scorpion says you're comparing gene tech by call to that of the emperor (laughs) yeah he didn't do as good a job as it it's like it, all the work was already done and then Cole just tweaked it. I like just messed with it. He didn't do the whole thing himself. If he'd made like an entire, like, like if he'd made primary space marines from scratch, like if it was a case of, okay, we don't know how to make like any of this anymore. And then Cole just showed up and went, look at these amazing super soldiers I've made without any outside assistance. And I didn't know what I was doing, but I'm better than the emperor. Then that, that would be terrible. Yeah. That would be, a horrendous way to do things but i always viewed it as this guy took so long so long in secret with apparently unlimited resources mm-hmm. and they're a bit they're a bit taller and they're a little bit hardier he did what and fabius bile could not yeah yeah and fabius bile is let's face it more interesting and a lot more fun than call is <laughs> so i mean i, I don't like... disagree i absolutely agree with this yes uh i'm a little biased but... it's <laughs> But yeah, it, it's kind of, I do totally understand why the argument is made. And I don't think that Games Workshop actually handled the introduction of the Primaris that well. But I also think it's such a catch-22 hmm. with that particular issue. Introduce true-scale Space Marines, and a lot of people will go, well, now I can't use my Space Marines because everything's true-scale now. And 
it looks weird because these guys are supposed to be the same as the ones I already have, but they're taller, the armor looks different. Like it it would be a weird introduction, and I think it would have ruffled plenty of people's feathers. But then introducing them as a separate type of space marine is just as is like gonna cause just as much fuss, but towards a different group. I don't think there was any way of them reasonably refreshing the entire space marine range they've done it as they've done without upsetting without upsetting people because it's such an established core part of 40k so do you the, just do you think just showing up and being like here you go new ones do you think and they're bigger and better do you think they'll yeah. ever get rid of the old marines do you think they'll ever do that uh yeah you think they I, will? I, I genuinely do. I, yeah. I don't think it's like an imminent thing. I don't think we're going to like wake up next week and they're just going to be gone off the store or anything. But I can easily see them like phasing them out. And I think uh, a step towards that was introducing two wounds to firstborn space marines. That's, like, a, I step think that's a step it. towards it. Why is that a step so, towards it? Well, at the moment, well, before that change, your, your your tactical marines and your primaris marines, or like your standard firstborn space marines and your primaris marines, they had like a a different, not necessarily a different role on the tabletop as such, but they had different stats. You couldn't just go, okay, well, like if you went to say a tournament or something, you couldn't plop down a tactical squad and go, I'm playing these as intercessors, because the response would be, yeah, but they're not intercessors. Mm. They're they're a different. They're a different model. They have their own unique kind of rules. Now, you like the lines between the two are blurring. So Primarius are two wounds and Firstborn are two wounds. Some slow changes to like what war gear they can take, the slow retirement of things like Devastator Squads, for instance, and suddenly you've got a lot of Firstborn Space Marines who could conceivably have the same bolters, the same two wounds, the same everything as Primaris Marines, the stat lines are the same, but the models are different. And at that point, you don't need to sell Tactical Marines anymore. You don't need to sell the Firstborn stuff because people who already own them can use them as just Space Marines as a whole, and they don't need to support that side of the range, which is now so massively inflated compared to everything else. I just don't think it's realistic for them to continue supporting both Firstborn and Primaris. When you look at the size of the Space Marine range now, it is it is properly mad. Like, hmm. I, I'm not going to turn down a bunch of choice because more choice is good for literally everybody. But if Primaris Marines are massively outselling Firstborn Marines and if they are putting all of their effort into slowly replacing the range and having things that will take the role of the existing Space Marine range, I just don't think it's realistic for them to just keep them going in tandem. I think at some point they will effectively merge the rule sets of both, hmm. and you will still be able to use your Firstborn as much as you like because they will effectively be they'll effectively be Primaris on the tabletop, just not in, in like the model that they are. So I feel like it's going to be a slow kind of a slow meshing of the two mm. until the stat lines are indistinguishable, until the war gear is pretty much indistinguishable. Maybe changing rules for devastators so that you can only have like one type of weapon per squad, for instance, to fit more in with the Primaris line of you know Hellblasters all have plasma. Mm. Like you could, they could easily kind of do a little bit of wiggling slowly over time and make it so that you actually don't 
need to support the firstborn line anymore because you have an entire range of primaris that effectively do the same thing on the tabletop stats wise that's a very interesting theory very interesting uh you know that actually makes me think what's the because ultimately the miniatures company goal is to make money with it and they do it in a fun way of creating this game and selling the minis for it and changing the rules and changing what you buy according to those rules changes but Okay, so let's let's talk about maybe some of the Xenos armies that don't sell as often or don't sell as well as Space Marines. Like even the least selling Xenos army, they still make the miniatures for that army. Uh, that doesn't do nearly as well as the firstborn Space Marines that are still being sold. And so that is true. Yeah, if, if we're looking at it at a like model selling standpoint, uh, I wonder. You know, it's an interesting theory because I can, I can see it happening, but at the same time, <laughs> it's hard to say. And yeah, I, I mean that's the thing. I I think if it, I think it's, I think there is a, maybe I'm overstating how how likely. I think there is a good chance of it happening. Maybe maybe it's not like a one hundred percent. It would be cleaner. I could. It would certainly be cleaner, uh, from yeah. a collecting standpoint. Uh, yeah, and lore-wise, because they would have to make it make sense lore-wise, because everything makes sense lore-wise before it makes sense on the tabletop, and then then the well, that's, that, although that's that's one of the things that I found funny about the change to to uh, firstborn space marines was the the two wounds suddenly. I, in fact, I made a video about it where quite a few people said, "Well, they don't have to justify in the law why they do rules changes. Rules change all the time, right?" And that I totally agree with. Yeah, but one of the core parts of the Primaris introduction was look at these extra tall space marines with two wounds because they are hardier. Right. Call has improved them. They are tougher. They are more resilient. And then suddenly, firstborn marines are just as tough and resilient with absolutely no in-universe explanation whatsoever, which is what I found funny. Because it was like, here's the justification for the primaris marines. Yeah. Here is the in-universe reason. And then they just went, oh, and space marines, firstborn marines have that too now. And that's it. But there's no mention of it in terms of in-universe justification, is there? <laughs> I guess there's no book that, where they're true. like, okay, here you go. No, that's true. You this have a point why. there. You have a point. I said it's because they'd eaten their cauliflower, but then people booed me for making a terrible joke. But like, it's just like, <laughs> when it comes to that sort of thing, they do, they do generally, they are generally quite good at justifying big changes in the law. But then again, they will sometimes just go, and now this is different because it's different. And you won't get any sort of outside explanation to that. But then again, it's it's not a static game. They constantly do change rules, and you can't like expect them to give explanations for every rules change in the law because they'd be there, yeah. they'd be at it all day, every day. And the already, let's face it, kind of convoluted uh, overall story Extremely of so. 40k would get. But it, but it kind of is silly. Big thing point. like Space Marines, though, you would think that that was like the at the forefront, the most popular thing that they would give some sort of explanation to that. But but no, it's just okay. They have two wounds now. <laughs> yeah, that was that was the whole. That, that was what made me laugh. It was like it's less the fact that they've done it, and more the fact that it was such a big selling point originally, that has just now been like, yeah, that's just how it is. It's like okay, okay, sure. It's not a problem. It's not something that I'm like, how dare they not give us an explanation? But it did just. It just kind of. I just read it and went. I'm pretty sure that was a fairly major selling point before, but sure why not it's, you know <laughs> you know at the same at the same time i that kind of makes sense i could see that happening because let's say 
let's say they do mesh it, right? It's like uh, 10th edition, 40K. All of a sudden, tactical marines and intercessors, it's really the same thing. It's just a different yeah. a matter of war gear, right? Stat-wise, point-wise, it's all the same. Lore-wise, it is what it is. Cole made them 10,000 years. They're better, beefier, whatever. But gameplay-wise, they're exact same. You can use the old ones. They count as the new ones. They're really the exact same. It's all good. We don't make the old ones anymore. We only make the new ones. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> uh, do what you will. If you have models that are 30 years old, you may still use them. They still count as the Primaris stat-wise. They're not Primaris lore-wise, but they are stat-wise. So uh, do what you will on the tabletop. That could still make I'll sense. I have to admit, part of my thinking behind that was the introduction of uh, of legends, like their 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 way of supporting old models that are out of production, or in some cases just didn't have a model, um, giving them like a one time rule set and going, we're not going to revisit these, we're not going to come back to them, mm. but if you want to use this model that we don't make anymore, it's in legends, it's got rules, you can still ah. use it, you can still use it narrative play, open play, you can still. You can still use your old models. Yeah, I think that kind of, for me, that kind of opened the door for them to be able to say, okay, well, we don't sell these anymore, but we're not saying you can't use them. Right. Here's the rules. Because so they there's legends. already precedent for that on quite a big scale now. Right. They've moved quite a bit of stuff into Legends. Yes. And so, you know, I could, I could easily see them kind of going, okay, Tactical Marines, Intercessors are now the same thing devastators they're more complex you can't just shift devastators over because they have such a variation in weapons it's nothing like hellblast is in terms of like the loadout so maybe maybe it's like a, a one casualty at a time thing you know mm. most of the space marine range is fine in fact these are just like the primaris guys but devastators we're not making and they're now in legends you can still use them still use them yeah. but they're not going to be supported in the future with changes to those rules i could see it happening i'm not i, I would I, yeah i would clarify that it's not like a 100 percent oh totally but i could easily i could easily see how they would do it and think that there is there's definitely more than a non-zero chance that at some point like they will just start to slowly shave away the firstborn side of the space marine range you know, because they have so much variation now as well with the Primaris stuff. That's an interesting they, one they, there, the the Hellblasters, because out of all the other ones, it's like, uh, you know, unless you're a, a purist who hates Primaris, if you're uh, a casual hobbyist or one that isn't anti-Primaris, uh, you're like, okay, if I had to choose between Intercessors or Tactical Marines, I'm going to choose Intercessors because they're a bit better and they're. They're, they're so close points wise that it's just like it's a no brainer of a difference. Whereas Hellblasters and Devastators, which one would you choose? I mean, to be honest, I've always loved Devastators, Devastators in a, right? a healthy way, so I'd yeah. go for Devastators yeah. regard. Although, to be fair, I'm probably not the best person to ask because my army list choices revolve entirely around how cool does this look? Cool? I'm in. That's it. Like, yeah. I don't have a huge amount of. Uh, I'm not. I'm not like. I'm not a competitive player to say the least. I very much revolve my armies around what would look. What would. What would be a lot of fun to put together and paint, and I could make an army out of. Is pretty much the way I go about most of my list building. Yes. But that being said, as you, devastators are just more versatile. <laughs> they just are. They so currently, yes, absolutely. By obviously by the fact that they can have so many different weapons options, they're not just locked into here's a bunch of plasma and nothing else. They, you can pick and choose what you use them for, which just by by that nature makes them so much more versatile than their kind of direct counterparts. 
But then again, Games Workshop seem to be, especially with the Space Marine stuff, again, seem to kind of be swerving away from versatile in a way. When you look at intercessors versus even tactical squads, with tactical squads, you can at least take something. You can take a heavy weapon, a special weapon. You can outfit your sergeant with whatever. Intercessors is just, here's a bunch of bolters. And it's the same thing with Hellblasters. Like, you can have plasma or plasma. Compare that to Devastators, where you could you can fit them out for pretty much whatever you like. And the actual choice that you get out of the box is massively limited in comparison when it comes to the primary side of things. So the only place that isn't like that is the vehicles. But in terms of the... In terms of the infantry, it's hugely simplified mm-hmm. over over what you would what you would previously have expected from uh, like a Space Marines kit. Mm-hmm. Things like um, Vanguard veterans and Stone Guard veterans. Oh, so those, many. Items. Those two are like some of my favorite kits that Games Workshop have ever done, especially the Stone Guard veterans. Mm-hmm. But again, it's like there's so many options. There's mm-hmm. so many things you can put on them. You can kick them out in so many different ways. And I've not, admittedly, not looked at the rules for Blade Guard. For well, since they were since they were first shown off, but they're not like brimming with weapons options. It's not like a but, Vanguard veteran squad where you can kit them out with whatever. They're, they again fewer options, relatively way fewer, way fewer, way fewer. But they're super strong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There is that. They make it's, up for it, and they're just brute, brute like uh, durability and strength. I think it's like it's an interesting like change of philosophy for them because. Space Marines were so very versatile in terms of how you could kit them out, and that's not to say that Primaris aren't aren't versatile in terms of how many options you can bring, because God knows there's enough of that range at this point that you've got a good number of choices for stuff, but you don't have that same like individual squad level of versatility that you used to have with the Firstborn stuff, and that's I mean that's clearly by design. It's like it's obviously been done. For me, I think it's mostly just been done to make it easier. Yeah. When you when you get into 40k, there's a good chance you're going to angle for Space Marines. Yeah. If you buy a box of Space Marines and it is literally all these guys have this gun, it's it's simpler for especially newer players than going, okay, all these guys have this gun. Apart from this guy who can have these guns or that other guy who can have a couple of other weapons and you've got the guy who's leading who can have a couple of different weapons and a melee weapon if you want. Like that's It's not too many options in my opinion, but I can I can see why they would strip that back so it was just you buy a box of Space Marines, here's 10 dudes in power armor with bolters and off you go. You're ready. You're done. Yeah, it's, it's very much, it reminds me of uh, 30k just because of their the simplicity and the weapons options. I, I think the way that, I don't think it was like a, a kind of a nefarious games workshop like planning from the past sort of thing of going now in 30k if we make it so that you know each squad just has the weapons they have like there's not much in the way of variation it mirrors perfectly with the primary stuff coming back with with you know Gillum and setting it all up as a plan it works out perfectly i don't think that's what they did but i think they i think they loved the fact that that symmetry happened i think they were like oh that's perfect it's not what we it's not what we went for necessarily but it means that now there is genuinely a way to rationalize it. In terms of like the in-universe rationalization, you can easily look at it and go, "Well, these were you know these started development way back. They're using similar similar squad arrangements and tactics that that were used in the Heresy, and of course they would. They were you know that whole development was set up by the Primarch of the Ultramarines. Of course, he'd set that stuff up. I, I don't think there's at any point." Not that I've read, anyway. 
been a suggestion of that literally being why, but it it lines up really nicely. It's it's like a nice way of kind of going, oh yeah, I can see why. I can see why he did that. Whereas outwardly, I think it's more just a case of make it simpler and it's easier to get into. And yeah, we'll just do that. It's it's way easier for people if they can just go, okay, well, I know what this squad does because they all do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Sorted. Don't have to think about it too much. You can just get straight into rolling and you don't have to sit there and fiddle with you know what guns you want to take for what scenario and mess about with points values for that. It's relatively simple compared to that. So it's, yeah, I think there's a nice symmetry for them, but I don't think it was necessarily a planned thing. I think it was just make it easier. Oh, that works nicely. We can justify that if we need to, but I don't know that they've ever kind of said outright that that's why the primary stuff is so like limited in terms of options and kind of the way the squads are outfitted. I don't know that they've ever said that out loud, but no, it's it's worked nicely. It has. It has. Uh, there is one thing though that I I'm, I questioned, which okay. So do we know offhand how many boxes or how many Marines come in a intercessor box? Is it ten or five? Is ten. It's ten, right? Okay, so yeah. yeah. Whether it was five or ten, it's still it's the same thing because an impulsor only carries six. So that's the hot dog bun scenario. Where you- that's yeah. That, admittedly, that is that is one bit where even now I do not understand why the impulsor was not just a primaris rhino. Right. I, I to, to this day I still have no idea why they did that because if the the one thing that that I, so many people were asking for was just can we get a transport that isn't covered in guns could we have that please it's like the equivalent of well of firstborn only having a land raider to rock around in it, right. it doesn't make a huge amount of sense no matter how you look at it yeah and so when the impulsor was shown off i was like oh actually they've got a transport that's good yeah and they're like it carries six why <laughs> why have you done that why have you done it it's bigger than a rhino why have you made it carry fewer gut gar- what yeah. What was the thinking yeah, there? It didn't and make sense to me either. It means you've got to split like a... You've got to, Well, if you've got two impulses, you've got to buy 20 intercessors mm-hmm. to get your 12 in there. You and get, then you've got eight left over. Yeah. Do you then just do a squad of five? Do you put a squad of... If you're doing like an optimized list, you're not going to sit there and go, oh yeah, eight intercessors, perfect. That's not going to... No one's going to do that. So what do you do with the others? Well, you have to buy another box, but then you're still just stuck no matter what you do. Really bizarre decision, which I still don't quite understand. But I, so <laughs> occasionally, you would need occasionally to get, they just do stuff like that, don't they? You would need to get five impulsors before the the amount actually equals. Is it five? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's not be, five. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it yeah, is it five impulsors. Five, yeah. Yeah, and three boxes yeah, of so intercessors. <laughs> So you need five impulses <laughs> to get the right number of impulses uh, to intercessors. But it still wouldn't be because you wouldn't have the same, you wouldn't have the right number of sergeants. That's true. Yeah, yeah. it still wouldn't work because you'd still be down two, two, two You'd be down two sergeants. Yeah, I mean you could kit bash him, but that's not really the point. It's still like it's still still weird and a weird decision. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the okay. I guess. Oh, the only way you could do it is okay what's that new box set with the the uh it's not the elite edition it's the one smaller than uh, that. The, the recruit edition recruit edition yeah where you, it comes yeah. with five assault intercessors and one lieutenant yes yeah. yeah you could you could you could get away with that yeah because a lieutenant can go in there with them right i think so yeah yeah think i think so too the chat will correct us very swiftly oh. 
Uh, Definitely. <laughs> but I think that that could probably work right there. I mean, that's a, and heck, that box is super, you even made a video about that. Uh, that oh, it's great value. Yeah. It's super good value. It makes no sense. It's, well, it does make sense, but it's like that, <laughs> that, 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 that box is one of the best examples I think I've seen for a while of, uh, of, of games workshops like multiple ecosystems like multiple mm. pricing models because you've got the main one for the for 40k as a whole where stuff is undeniably kind of expensive but you we don't care we just keep buying it anyway yeah. um and then you've got the like the entry points which don't match up at all you've got like the combat patrols and you've got like even like the battle forces like the carriage run one that i've got over there they are actually when you look at the when you look at how much you save compared to buying all the stuff separately, they are really good deals. It's insane. And it's, it's, insane. it's just it's just to get it's just to get the hooks in. And I think sometimes like I, I was guilty of it when I saw the the price on the recruit edition for the first time where I was looking at them and I was like, that's one pound more than a box of warriors. Yeah. And there's more stuff in there than what there's like it's like double the number of models. What is this? And I cut every now and again I think you kind of have to remind yourself and go, Yeah, but that that's not the same purpose. They're not fulfilling the same need. That is to get people in. It's They're a lost buy that box and go, oh, this, yeah. this, I can have a game with what's in here. This is really cool. It's not that expensive. I can, you know, I can get in there. That's cool. And and then they will do that and go, well, I want to expand my warriors. Yes. I want to get something else. That's what it is. What should I get? And then and then by that point, they've probably forgotten that actually the recruit edition was only, you know, a pound more and go, I'll get another box of warriors. And they buy the box of warriors, and actually they could have got the warriors and then more again if they just bought the same box twice. Yeah, but it's like it's crazy. I always find it really interesting with Games Workshop stuff because you have this this really interesting like uh, kind of sliding scale of how much stuff is. Where on the on the lower end you have got things like the Recruit Edition, the Elite Edition, which is still, I mean, the Elite Edition is still really good value compared to buying that stuff separately. Um, you have those. You have things like the combat patrols and the start collecting. You have the the kind of special boxes they do for you know around Christmas time with the battle forces. Mm -hmm. But then that slides all the way up yep. to like a hundred and twenty quid for a mega gargan, or a hundred and five pounds for a monolith. Which, when you look at what's in the recruit edition, and then look at like buying, say, well, buying a monolith. The disconnect in price is massive. Yeah, it's massive. But the thing is, you're never going to go from just buying the recruit edition to, and now I want that giant, that giant monolith. You're not going to go from I have a squad of warriors and a royal warden to I need a monolith. You build up to it. Mm. You get other stuff. It's like, oh well, the the Canopsec wraiths look cool, or maybe I'll get some I'll get some Scorpec destroyers to go with them. That would be cool. They're in the elite edition. Maybe I get that box, mm -hmm. and then. They get the hooks into you with the the actual reasonably <laughs> priced plastic, yeah. and then you sit in there looking at just the perfect number of points of Necrons that would be it would be either seventeen fifty or two thousand if you just had that one giant pyramid looking thing that you'd seen the other day, and then you get it, and funnily enough, you've just bought the monolith because everything else was actually not too bad, and it just it's that kind of scale of okay, we're getting you in, we're getting you in. Why not do a combat patrol to mm -hmm. go with this? Mm -hmm. Okay, with the hooks are sinking ever deeper. Mm -hmm. You totally need Zarek, and you definitely need the monolith. Let's go, and then you buy it, 
Mm-hmm. And then when she thought that, you're like, well, I finished my Necron army. What now? And then it, the madness just begins again. <laughs> you just end up <laughs> buying even more. Uh, it's it's hard to fault them for how well they do that kind of thing. To be honest, <laughs> they're very good at. Uh, I think they're very they're very good at getting people in. Yeah. And then before you know it, you've well, you can see the shelves behind me, and that's not counting the stuff in the boxes over there that I haven't got out for a while. <laughs> before you know it, you're like, I've been doing this for like 10 years and I don't know how many nights I have, but I know that I only wanted one and I don't understand how this happened, but here we are. It's, it's just might as well carry on now. I'm seeing a very nice looking Lord of Skulls behind you. Oh, that's uh that's a Slanesh Lord of Skulls. It's it. I, oh, yeah. I got to see this. Yeah. Yeah. I, hang on, let me grab it. I will. In fact, do I put a picture on Twitter? No, I will just grab it. It's easier. So, Because from a distance, I mean, the shape of it was was corny. Oh, it's, you, you can't... You, you just you know a Lord of Skulls when you see one. So uh, let me see if I can get that. Whoa! So that's got parts from the Keeper of Secrets on it. Um, I, By the way, Corn, and especially the Lord of Skulls, has got better brand, uh, like, brand commitment than Batman. <laughs> there's so many corn symbols on this i know it's a lord of skulls but come on um so yeah there's keeper of secrets claws there's parts from the keeper of secrets one of the alternative heads big slanesh symbol some of the cape sections from the shalaxi hellbane setup for uh for the keeper of secrets kit the spear from shalaxi hellbane as well and a knight helm because i didn't like the face the face was too cornate and i uh i covered the big the comedy plow on the front which is <laughs> Such a so weird. I, I still don't really understand what the idea was behind that, but I love it anyway. I couldn't get the corn symbol off that because the whole plow is a corn symbol. There's one massive and symbol. I tried, it. To, I tried to make it out of plastic card and it didn't look great, so I instead used green stuff and uh, covered the corn symbol over with like flesh that had been like mm. melted to it, mm-hmm. and then I made a green stuff pipe so that the flesh could be kept alive using blood. So it's got like a a like bloody drape of flesh across the across the plow that's kept alive during battle for whatever reason <laughs> I, I needed to cover it up and i was like that's that's gross that's gross and pretty slash we'll do that we'll yeah, do that yeah do we'll that. go with it because it's good i love it and people are calling it uh a kiri bash oh yeah i i i very rarely leave things as standard it's not really something i'm all that capable of to be honest um how do you feel about fact, something else? Sorry? How do you feel them as? Do you feel them as a Lord of Skulls or do you feel them as something else? That's, yeah, that's field as a Lord of Skulls. The, the, uh, I, I just hope that, well, generally, I'm just like, well, you, you can let me get away with this, right? And usually the answer is yes. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. Uh, it's, it's the same thing as uh, I bought, basically, I, I accidentally collected a Chaos Knights army, which culminated in the Lord of Skulls. <laughs> accidentally? So I, what do you mean, accidentally? Well, yeah. Well, when the when the Imperial, the first uh, the first night was shown off, I I loved it, and I was like, "This is I, I never thought I'd see something outside of the Lord of Skulls of this scale. Like this is they, they've clearly made this to be its own force. This is awesome. I want one." So I I bought it and I put it together, and I was not great at painting at that stage, and I just gave it like a grey and black uh, paint job, and was just like, "That'll do. That's fine," and left it for ages. Then the Chaos Knights were revealed. And immediately I was like, oh God, they've they've done what I wanted to do to the knight before I really knew how to do it. Uh, yes. 
I'm going to have to buy one. I need one of those. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll get a Chaos Knight. I'll leave the one I've got. That can just be a, a Loyalist Knight. That's fine. Um, but I'll get the Chaos one, and that can... I'll do that Iron Warriors colours. That'll be fun. So I got the Chaos Knight, started painting it up as Iron Warriors, and then thought, you know what? I should have it so that it matches like my my Empress Children stuff. I should have an Empress Children like like a just a knight that follows them round. Some sort of like weird twisted warp monstrosity thing. That would be fun. So I started working on it, took part of it apart, because it previously had a normal loadout, um, and uh dug out an old defiler that I had in the loft from when the defiler was first released as a model which makes me feel old as hell saying that. Uh, and I ripped the claws and the arms off it. So like the big pincers that it's got at the front, I ripped those off it and put both of them on one side of the knight mm. with the with the uh, chainsaw on the other side. So it's a three-armed knight with two defiler claws and a chainsaw, which awesome. I just thought looked cool. Yeah. Then I had an idea for a knight that carried a weapon like underslung, like a heavy bolter. Mm-hmm. Because I've done a series of daft conversions that basically revolve around that. So there's a centurion holding a heavy bolter, like underslung in both hands. I've got a a normal uh, like Castaferum dreadnought holding a, I think it's the onslaught Gatling cannon from a Redemptor, but underslung like a heavy bolter. Then I got a Redemptor and had that holding the Avenger Gatling cannon from a knight, like in both hands, like a heavy bolter. And then I was like, well, clearly the next logical step is to do that with a Chaos Knight, surely. So I did. I bought uh, I bought a Chaos Knight, and then the next time I was at Forge World, I bought the Vulcan Mega Bolter for the uh, Chaos Warhound. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I put that on that. In fact, I'll grab that quickly. Yes, that's, yes. I, it's like the thing I'm most proud of in terms of... Eh, nearly most proud of. I do a lot of kit bashing, so... this We're in for a treat, guys. This is... I, I, we don't typically get to see this kind of goodies. You can go down there. Don't fall apart, please. I've got to be careful because the gun isn't glued on. It just rests somehow, magically. Ooh. So So yeah, I've got the uh I've got the the uh, what is it called? Yeah, the Vulcan Mega Bolter from the yes. Chaos Warhound. Yes, wow. Held by the Chaos Knight in like a like an underslung fashion. Dang. And it counts as having two Avenger Gatling cannons, because mm. what else are you gonna run that as? Right. Um and uh I also I don't know I don't know how this happened, but I had a spare missile launcher from one of the Custodius dreadnoughts. Mm-hmm. I forget which one it is. Uh so that's got two missile launchers on the top, just mm. because I thought it needed something a little bit extra. So <laughs> Yeah, that was. Yes, that was. Uh, again, kind of just spur of the moment. I thought that'd be a fun thing to do. I'll do it, and then got the parts and immediately realised that first of all, something that I didn't even consider at the time, the bolter from a Chaos Warhound, significantly heavier than a Chaos Knight. Really? Like, like oh, way heavier. Oh, because it's more it, dense. It's, it's just a chunk of resin. Yeah. It's not even multiple parts. The gun is just one massive lump of resin. Yeah. Um, so is he forward heavy because was, of that? Massively. Yeah. I to to get it to stand up, the uh, the feet are the feet are glued to cork, which is pinned to the base. Yeah. And then around each toe of the feet, there is wire that has been. <laughs> 
twisted under the base and then looped over the foot wow. just to hold it in place. It's super solid now, yeah. but trying to get it to stand upright was an absolute nightmare. And the only way I could do it was by reposing one of the legs so that it was like raised up and resting on something. Yeah. Like I literally had to have the model bracing the weight of the of the of the mega bolter because otherwise it just fell over forwards. Even even with the like I tried pinning before I reposed it and I, I couldn't even do it then because just the weight of it meant that even on the base the whole thing just tipped forward onto its face every time. Yeah. So I had to cut the leg apart and, and repose that and getting that to stand up unassisted with the with the mega bolter not resting on the legs was like the best day for kit bashing that I <laughs> that I've had just just forever because I was like oh, I've done this and I'll be honest a mega bolt is kind of expensive. It's not like like the the night the chaos night is 95 quid. The Mega Bolter was 45 quid. Mm. So if I don't get this to work, that's a significant amount of money that I've just like thrown away on nothing. Like, what am I going to do with it? I can't do anything else except buy an actual Warhound to put it on. That's not an option. No, I'm not. I'm not doing that. So I've got to make it work. It took a while, but I did. I did get there in the end. It's like it's one of my. It's one of the things that I'm most happy with kit bashing. The other two is, uh, admittedly, this is Age of Sigmar, but. I made a nightmare out of uh, Dreitcher Hammerdreth mm. um, because I, I had an idea for a village that hung criminals from trees in the forest that the village was in, but the forest had like magic, like just kind of undead magic in it, and so the trees got fed up of being hung from and uh, and came alive and started killing people. So I made <laughs> Dreitcher Hammerdreth into That's awesome. into what is now the 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 horror of, of Blackwood because that has now become my Sylvanath army, which I had not planned on making. But I've made that now and I'm like, that was really fun. I need to make so I need to make more. I, I had a similar thing with accidentally ending up with a Gargan army. I have to which, agree with some of the comments here. They're saying uh you're as mad as a hatter and we love you for it. <laughs> That's an X I'll I'm I'll take it. I'm happy with that. <laughs> Yeah, that's super cool. The, I love the idea the other, behind that. The only other one is there we go. So this is this is my gargant for my Age of Sigmar gargant army, which is from the realm of metal. Mm. Um, and this, I've got six of these now, Ooh. and it entirely came down to randomly sitting there, putting some ambots together, and going, you know what? I reckon you could stack the legs. If I put both sets of legs on, but stacked them on top of each other, it would make like a really lanky mech, which could look kind of cool. And I did it and realized that it did look it did look kind of cool, but it also didn't look particularly 40k. It looked a bit more sort of like kind of steampunky kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, so I got some parts from a warp lightning cannon that I had left over from when I was making my Dreadnought army, because I put a Skaven warp lightning cannon on top of a Dreadnought that only had one arm, because why not? Um, and I put the uh, the massive like warp stone rock on the back of it, gave it a custodes shield and spear, and went, oh, this is actually kind of awesome. I like this. I don't know what it is, but I like it. That's cool. I made a second one, then I did a half-assed paint job, put them away, and then never touched them, because I was like, I don't know what these are. I don't know what I can use them as. I ran them as contemptors in one game uh, with permission from people, but... It was like, I don't know what this is, really. I've made it, and it was just a fun project that's 
kind of unusable, which is a shame, but there you go. I I then decided I wanted to make some more and thought, well, I need an excuse. So I just put them on Twitter and went, these are about, I forget how I forget how tall they are, but I gave the height measurement and went, this is how tall they are based to the top of the model. What like what what can I use these as? Like what can I do with these? And someone said, Oh, gargants. Hmm. Use them as gargants from the realm of metal in Age of Sigma. They're they're perfect for that. Mm-hmm. And so I went, That's good, because I've already started building two more, and then I ordered two more Ambots. So I've got six of these, and now I have a reason for doing it. Brilliant. <laughs> A lot of my armies tend to end up like that. I'm like, I've got an idea. And then I do it and go, I don't know what I was doing with that. What should I do with it? Help. (laughs) And then someone gives me an actual army and then I go and make more of them because, yeah, kit bashing, kit bashing is still the most fun bit for me, really. It's, it's, It's by far the most, it's like a mix of like therapeutic and just fun at the same time. Would you say out of the, the pillars of the hobby, the uh, the modeling aspect, the playing, the lore. Would you say that modeling and hobbying is the top top of your list? There, oh, yeah, definitely, yeah, definitely. It's uh, for a while. It was just it was just the modeling side of things and not the painting because I, I I didn't like painting for the longest time because I wasn't good at it and I also I was like not good at it to the extent that it made me not want to learn to get better. Hmm. It was just like, well, every time I try and do something new, it fails. So, you know, what am I supposed to do? I'll just have to, I just, I just paint it because I don't want to be the person with an unpainted horde of, of orcs because when I was younger, I was that person. And even I didn't like being that person. Um, But like, I just didn't want to be the person who had unpainted models or would just like base coat them and then not do anything. I didn't like bringing that stuff to games. And it was same like similar thing with starting to play D&D. You know, other people were painting their their character models and stuff. I'm like, well, I don't want to be the one person who shows up with an unpainted Reaper mini or something. I want to actually do do something with it. So I kind of painted mostly out of uh, out of spite. It was like, well, I'm just going to get it done. I don't like it, but it needs to be done, so I'll just blast through it. And if it looks passable, then that's a win, and I don't really care. Um, and that was that was the deal up until November of 2019. I want to say, yeah, I think November of 2019, um, where I got talking to the guys from Artis Opus who do. Uh, who do brushes mm-hmm. and uh and and uh they said we want to send you some brushes and i was like you've heard me talk about painting right you're like you know i don't like it and they're like yeah that's why we want to send you some and see what you think see if maybe it, it, it you know there's there's a technique in there that would work for you and would you know make make things easier or actually dare we say enjoyable maybe um so they sent a box of their series d dry brushes over and I started, like, I'd never used anything like it before. My extent for things like like trying to paint detail or trying to do things like blending on models was I'm going to paint it two colors and then do a third color for the trim, and that's it, mm. because I don't know how to do anything else. So they, they sent me this box with, like, a little booklet that tells you how to use them, and I got a creature caster model that I'd had for ages, but been too intimidated to try and gave them the most trial by fire, like review video of anything I've ever done. Cause I just sat there and went, I don't like painting. I don't know how to use these. This model has intimidated me for ages. If we come out at the end of this 
and this model's wings look half decent. Clearly, this is good. Hmm. And then I just started. I just started painting following the instructions on the booklet and immediately went, oh, this is easy. Hmm. This is actually pretty easy. And it's really fun. And I can do the things that I've never been able to manage before. Hmm. And literally from that point on, I went from hating painting to looking at every model and going, okay, what can I do with that? <laughs> what can I do? How do I paint it? What like, how do I want to do? I want to blend from this color to that color. Do I want to do mostly dry brushing? I need to try and learn how to do glazing. I should get an airbrush, and it just like it just massively took off from there. Like the the chaos night with this bolter, that model, uh, it's just dry brushing, and that's about it. All I've done mm-hmm. is just dry brush over the armor panels, and. I remember like finishing painting one of the nights and looking at it and going, literally, literally four months ago, I would not have been capable of this. Hmm. This is great. I want to keep doing it. That's like completely opened up that side of the hobby because it's gone from being like, okay, I enjoy building and kit bashing, don't enjoy painting, to okay, I want to, I want to get better at all of this side of things. Like kit bashes got better because I needed to do a better job of them because that way painting them would be easier and the end model would look better. So a lot of like shortcuts that I used to take for kit bashing, I, I stopped doing and actually started, you know, trying to <laughs> trying to make it work properly. Um, instead of just going, okay, well, I've got super glue in this part. Let's go. It was a case of, well, if I do it that way, it's going to be harder to paint. I need to be able to remove it and then put it back. And so that led to kind of improving how I build stuff in terms of pinning stuff that you wouldn't necessarily think of pinning. Like a lot of the stuff on uh, on this Dreicher, all of these spikes that stick out of her, um, which is like their wooden spikes from a Age of Sigmar scenery kit, um, they're all pinned. Because when I come to paint that, I'm going to have to take those spikes off because there's absolutely no way I'm going to get anything close to a decent finish without it. Um, yeah, it's 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 very much kit bashing, then painting. Being able to use the models on the tabletop is fun, but it's like it's one of those things where I don't necessarily miss if I don't get to play for a little bit because I, I get enough enjoyment out of that kind of initial process. Even down to even down to planning armies, I find a lot of fun because I know what I'm going to do with them. You know, I like getting a regular game in, but if I miss one, I'm not like ah, oh, like that. That's it. That you know, that this <laughs> this week ruined. I've not managed. I've not managed to get my game in. Instead, it's like okay, well, disappointing. But I have got all of these other projects that I wanted to do. That gives me time to build this, paint that. You know, plan the other thing that yeah. I was thinking about doing. Yeah. It's it's definitely build and paint, and then and then like actually play, play after that. Play after, yeah. The crazy part about that story from that, uh, what was the name of the brush company again? Uh, Opus? So Artist Opus. Artist yeah. Opus. Uh, okay, so I think that's probably the best testimonial, organic testimonial that they could possibly hope for because it's like, we we took this guy who doesn't like painting to yeah, really liking painting about it as well and like being very transparently vocal about it it's like hey listen guys i don't like painting i got these brushes and we're just gonna see what happens and it just happened to be that it, it worked out well so like that that's that's probably the best case study for uh, a brush company imaginable 
I did I did say to them like after after I put that video up because I said I'm not going to tell you what I thought you need to watch it because I you know I want this to be a thing where you don't really know whether I like this or not until you see it mm. because the way I even did it was they even offered to they're like well do you want us to do you want one of us to go through the technique with you and I went no I was like <laughs> I'm doing it I'm, no it's like you know, reasonably a a paintbrush company is not is not going to be able to give one-on-one tuition to everyone who buys the product. Right, right. Just because I've got an audience, that doesn't mean that I should get special treatment in that regard. Yeah. You know, it shouldn't be a case of, well, I'm going to try these brushes out, but the person who developed them gave me like a two-hour lesson beforehand. Like, I'm not going to do that because that's not honest. I'm just going to approach this from the standpoint of, I don't like painting and these might change that or we'll get to the end of the video and I'm going to go, that that didn't work. Hmm. Sorry, but it's just not, it just doesn't, it's not, even if the worst thing I say is it's just not for me and I don't like the way it works, it would still be an honest reaction to it. And uh, I did say after the fact, like they watched the video and they got, I think they they said exactly that. They were like, that's like the best kind of natural testimonial we've ever got for these things. Yeah, for sure. And I said, I did say, you realize that if I'd hated them, I would still have put the video up right. I would have apologized and I would have said, look, I'm sorry guys, but it's just not for me. Mm -hmm. But I still would have said, I would have just gone, yeah, no, don't like it still. Don't like painting. I'm afraid I don't like the brushes, but Actually, they were really good, so it worked. But it was just like yeah, they're taking a just, risk. They said with the reactions of that video, they were like, oh, "We're we're quite glad you liked that because that could have been quite bad." <laughs> like, I'm sorry, but it's, I felt like it's the only fair way to do it. It's the only, I think that's the only fair way to do it. If you if you get like extra if you get like extra stuff, and if you get things that are like that have been carefully selected, it's so much harder to be honest about what you think of it, mm. like. If if a company says if a company says they want to send something, I think you kind of have a duty to go. Okay, that's fine. Just send me some of the things you have in stock right now. Mm. Let's go. Let's do that. Um, I did that with Raging Heroes as well, where uh, they got in touch, and I was like, okay, just send me some of the things that you have available. If you've got something that you've got like a surplus of, then send me some of that, mm. and I'll just take a look at whatever you send because. I don't think companies are in the habit of specially selecting stuff, like kind of going through and going, oh, well, that cast is great. Okay, there's no flashing on this, so therefore we'll send that one. I don't think people do that, but it's a lot easier to to give that kind of, like, to give that kind of, I guess, plausible deniability if you can just go, okay, I said send me a bunch of random stuff. They sent me some random stuff that they that I knew is in stock because I checked their website. And this is what you would expect to receive if mm. you ordered these items. Mm. And that's like, that's for that can be for better or worse. There, there's been stuff that I've got and I've gone, this is not great. Like th- this, there's there's way too much flashing, or like the cast isn't great. There's bubbling in the resin, and this particular model out of the stuff I was sent, I don't know that I can even put this together. Like I've had that once before where I just flat out said, I don't know if I could rescue this. You know, that's good because um, that keeps the companies accountable and honest and it makes it so yeah. the viewers watching are trusting of the opinion that you give, which I believe is your X factor and why your videos have gained the popularity that they've had is because, uh, and this is what I feel anyway, when I watch your videos, I think, okay, I, I know that, uh, when Kiriath says something, he's speaking his mind, and it's a genuine thought. 
no matter what it is. And he'll even tell you when he doesn't know about something. He's like, you know what, guys, I don't really know much about this, but these are just my <laughs> thoughts. Let's 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 discover this together. Or it's like you come from it from a hey, I've been doing this for I have I've been looking at this for many years and these are my thoughts on it. So no matter what it is, it's just your raw thoughts on it. And I think I think that's what's so relatable about your your videos. You're just you're just uh, speaking you're speaking whatever comes to you. Really, it's it's well, very that's, organic. That's that's the thing that that like I kind of realized very early on when I started to to record to record videos was whenever I sat down with with friends and talked about this stuff in person before we had things like Warhammer Community and preview streams and you know just the level of communication that we have with Games Workshop now, which is so above and beyond anything that I experienced when I was a teenager buying their stuff. Like around third edition, it was like, is something new coming out? no idea no one will know until it happens everything in terms of like leaks and rumors was like oh yeah my friend knows a guy who manages a games workshop store and he knows that they might be doing this thing in like six months and that was like the level of knowing what was coming Mm. and whenever we sat down and talked about it no one was like in that group like no one was ever really afraid to go well actually i think this it was just a case of we just talked about whatever was happening and what was interesting us and like really early on, I kind of was like, well, I don't, maybe if I, I don't want to say this or that in case people don't just disagree, but like actively think that I'm like, like belittling them for their opinion. If I don't agree with something that they think, I don't want them to think that it's like a personal thing. It's like, yeah, but at the end of the day, if you're doing this kind of thing, all you really have is honesty hmm. or, or, all lying to people and if you're going to sit down and record the way you feel about stuff there's no point lying about it and when especially when it comes to things like hobby stuff like this is it's like a just tabletop wargaming and stuff and modeling kit bashing painting all of it is like a it's like a communal experience when you look at like the communities that have built up around around 40k around age of sigma again around warhammer fantasy before that went the way it did like it was all people who had a shared love and interest of something and for the most part it was people who had a shared love and interest in every aspect of it if you're going to talk to people about that online with the capacity to reach thousands of people it just struck me as like almost i guess almost a waste of time trying to trying to make like trying to give opinions that no one would disagree with Hmm. But the most important thing is just also just to outright say, I I don't know a huge amount about this thing, but whether I like or dislike it, that's just that's just it. And there's plenty of like there's plenty of stuff that I've said that people full on disagree with, like the Prime Minister thing being one of them. It's not like the way that the way that Call did it, I know people still don't like that that kind of way of looking at it, but then again, there are a few people who are like, "Yo, yeah, I had the same thought. It's the same thing as I think the most, literally the most controversial video I've ever put on my channel was talking about the Impulsor and the Invicta tactical war suit when they were revealed. Hmm. Love the Invicta. Mm-hmm. Absolutely love that model. <laughs> no one else does. No one else literally nobody. <laughs> Impulsor, I looked at it and I was like, I hate this. <laughs> I, was like, I don't like it at all. I think it looks terrible. Why is it, why is it open back? I don't like the way... I don't know the way not the way it looks in any capacity. I hard disagree on that viewpoint. Mm-hmm. The thing is, I even specified in that video, like 
I think also it's very easy for it's very easy to be overly positive or overly negative, mm. and everything is so much more gray than that. Yeah, that even with the Invicta, I, I said at the time I like it because I like mechs. You know, I like mechs because I have four thousand points worth of Space Moon dreadnoughts. Mm. I have an entire army of just dreadnoughts. So you know that I would, you know that I would like that. Um, and whilst I like it, I even said in the video, I don't think it's a Space Marine thing. I like the model, I like the concept of it, but why do they give it to Space Marines? Why have they got it? It makes no sense. Like, what have you given it to Space Marines for? Give it to Guard or someone, or or even, like, Sisters of Battle. Don't give it to Space Marines, and it's not stealthy. Look at it. You're being daft now. Love the model, but who they gave it to and the context in which it exists, don't like that. But the thing is, you can you can have that. Like, Not everything has to be, this is perfect or this is terrible. There's so much kind of middle ground where I don't. There's there's so few models I think where people will look at them and go, I like literally everything about that. Mm. There is no part of that that I don't have any sort of like not positive reaction to. It's the same with all of it. It's like contrary to the Impulsor, the Gladiator, quite a good looking tank. I quite like it because they fixed all the stuff I hate about the Impulsor. They, <laughs> they closed it in. It, they gave it a proper turret. They closed uh, it in. They funny. made it look less like like an orc had made it frankly like it just looks better <laughs> to me so <laughs> okay here's a question here's a question what do you think of the atv i i i flip-flopped on that massively i liked it initially because i was like it's fixed the it's fixed the issue i always had with the attack bike because the attack bike is an annoying vehicle because <laughs> it can only fire in like a a pathetic like what, 45 degree angle and only from one side like it's such a terrible design uh-huh. and i always used to think it was a terrible design and initially i liked the atv purely because i thought they'd fix that uh-huh. and then i looked at it again and went wait no they haven't it's just it's exactly the same you still can't turn it like beyond like a pathetic shallow angle from side to side, the guy's standing up, so he's even more unstable than he was in the attack bike. And there's an antenna right next to him, so it's fixed none of the issues that I had. So I started out going, I like it because it's not as it's not as bad as this, and then went, oh no, it's just as bad. <laughs> it's just as bad. And on that basis, I now don't like it because it's not fixed any of the issues I had with the thing it is ostensibly replacing. At least in that way, I am quite consistent when it comes to stuff like that. It's the same with the Outrider bikes. I really like the Outriders. They look awesome. Stupid design. (laughs) They they couldn't get over a small rock. Like, the heavy armor around the bike looks dead good. But they can't turn, and they also can't go over rough terrain, which is exactly the issue that I had with the previous generation of bikes because they're supposed to be all-terrain vehicles, but they have a ground clearance of half a millimeter. Mm-hmm. And it's just not like there are enough roads in England with like humps to uh, like like traffic calming. Uh-huh. So there's like a hump in the middle of the road. There are enough of those in England, and there are enough people who have lowered their cars to silly degrees for me to have personally seen what happens when something with like millimeters of ground clearance goes over a small bump, and it never ends well. And it would never end well for normal bikes, and it would never work well for Outriders either. But the plus side to the Outriders is that they do look more heavily armoured. They look more Space Marine to me than the original bikes ever did Mm. because they look so much more chunky. Like, they're they're longer, they're chunkier, they're more heavily armoured. I like the way the 
the the bolter placement is done on those as well. Hmm. Um, but again, it's exactly the same issues where it's like it wouldn't actually work. But then again, as soon as you start down that rabbit hole, I don't think you can judge anything in 40k on would that actually work. There's right. just yeah. there's like levels of suspension of disbelief. Right. Like I'm perfectly happy to have an army with three land raiders in it. That's something that I am currently planning to do to fill out, well, I say fill out, to add to my Empress children. I want three land raiders. I love land raiders. They're an awesome vehicle. Mm. They also they also wouldn't work all that well. There's no visible suspension. Like how would they even get anywhere? But it doesn't matter because they're really cool. Mm. But it's like it's kind of it's very like cognitive dissonance in a way. Hmm. It's like I don't like this vehicle because that gun clearly wouldn't be able to shoot anyone, but I'm perfectly happy with this giant box on treads. It doesn't make a huge <laughs> amount of sense because it's like applying two different conflicting criteria yeah. to a fictional universe and models that don't, you know, don't really wouldn't really work all that well in real life, but for some of them for me, some of them are just so good that i don't care mm. and some of them don't have that overriding cool factor like the land raider being not a great real life tank doesn't matter because it looks awesome the atv being a rubbish vehicle for what it's supposed to be is more unacceptable because the base design for me isn't good enough to elevate it to i don't care status which again I, I always say is like super hypocritical. It's like it's very hypocritical and it's very particular because it's like, well, you know, if you're going to judge one by this criteria, why not judge the other? Hmm. But I don't think that that's not necessarily how. That's not how it works. Especially, yeah. it's not how it works. It's, it's not how like subjective opinion works. It's not how things work when you look at when you look at like art or listen to music, you know, there could be a song that has all the ingredients of something you would normally like. Mm -hmm. It could, you know, if you're into heavy metal and you hear a song that has got, you know, heavy distorted guitar, down tuned, you could have all the things that you should enjoy, but you just don't like the song. I think it's similar. It's similar to that. It's just, it's just a taste thing. I think it always is. And it's, it's one of the reasons why I'm always, whenever I'm talking about models, it's like, maybe it's just me or it probably is just me in a lot of cases. Mm. But I like this, even if I don't think it works necessarily within a certain faction or don't think that it 100% fits in with other stuff related to that faction, there are parts of nearly every model that I can look at and go, I think they've done a good job. And that's the other thing as well. I think you can. I think they can do a good job on things that you don't like. There's been stuff that Games Workshop has made. I'm trying to think off the top of my head. There's, there's a few Stormcast models, for instance, that I... I don't like at all the guys with the uh, like the long, the long, like tabard thing. They're like heaven. They've got their armor, but like just beneath the chest, they've got these long strips of cloth. They, I think they're casters of some kind. I can never remember what all of the uh, all of the AOS stuff is called. But I like a lot of the Stormcast Eternal stuff. I it's the evocators. That's it. Mm. I don't like the way evocators look at all, but. I can still look at them and go, they've actually done a really good job. Like, I don't like the models, but the cloth looks like it's moving in sync with the rest of the body. There's a good sense of motion to it. The actual sculpts have been done really well. The design might not be to my taste, but I can't sit there and go, they've messed that up because it's not true. In this specific instance, it's like, I don't like it, but I can totally see why other people would. And I, I, try, and, I try and kind of put that across as well because... There are some, as I say, there are some models that I just do not like at all. But I look at them and go, I don't like that, but I know full well that I, like, I know people are losing their minds with how good this is. 
it's just not for me and that's fine mm-hmm. you know not everything needs to be i think that's that's something that is it's true for for everything but when it comes to things as personal and subjective as like hobbies that you've dedicated so many hours of your time to um i think sometimes it's easy to look at stuff and not think okay that's not for me and instead think but that should be for me mm-hmm. and i think sometimes that can happen and I just try my best to kind of go, I hate that. Impulsor being an example. I don't like it, but I know plenty of people do, and I know plenty of people really like it, and I'm not going to sit there and say that they're wrong for liking it. It's just not my thing. Mm-hmm. It's just, that's all it is. Um, but yeah, it's. <laughs> I try very hard to try and uh, lay that out as much as I possibly can. So I, the last thing I, the last thing I want is anyone kind of going, Oh yeah, but he thinks his opinion is gospel. It's like no, 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 no. I'm very, very clear that a lot of the time I will literally say something out loud and then go, but I would imagine that I'm the only person who thinks like that. Uh, we're gonna change gears here for a sec, and we're gonna do a chaos comment bomb. So, folks, this is this is a YouTube channel recommended by Kiriath. So I'm gonna post the link in the video chat. So if you've never participated in a Chaos Comet Bomb before, this is how we do it. I'm going to post a link in the chat, and it'll bring you to a YouTube video, and you'll bring you'll leave a comment on this YouTube video, and the comment could be something like, Dave and Kiriath say hi from the Shrine of Chaos. Or it could be, continue doing what you're doing, bringing the past into the present. Or maybe it's, uh, thank you for your videos. They are excellent. Or whatever it is. It doesn't matter what you leave. It just as long as they know they've been Chaos Comet bombed by the Shrine of Chaos. I'm going to leave a number of links here so that it is unquestionable which link you need to click on. <laughs> I, will, I will spam it. Uh, and I like to go to the video just to see the real-time update of the comments. It's just fun. Now, I hope that these comments are linked to this channel's notifications on their phone. It, it's more fun that way. I rarely know uh, the response. Uh but this is Snipe and Wib, and this video is Warhammer Armies Undead featuring Oculus Imperia Codex compliant. And this is where they, they do a series of uh, bringing things that were, like letting people know about old things in, in the, the game and the lore and uh, uh, in the history and kind of just bringing it to light, right? Is that, is that a fair assessment? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's a, a good way to put it. The uh, the Codex Compliance series they do just takes... It's almost like old forgotten lore of Games Workshop, taking a look at old codexes and going through them in detail, stuff that informed the design of them, telling t- telling you things like like the origins of certain, of certain games that Games Workshop still make or have made, informing, like as, as I said to you before we went live, the fact that Games Workshop had a record label like the fact that that was a thing that existed, which I had no idea about until they did a video about it. Oh, that's so strange. Like, there's, so, there's just so many times where I'll I'll kind of look at what they're look at what they've put up, watch it, and go, I didn't know half of this. Like I thought I was pretty well versed in some of this, but apparently not. No, <laughs> I had no I had no clue. And so that's them. Uh, so check out their stuff. Uh, this is a. a- Pay it forward to these folks. I personally have never heard of this channel before, so I'm glad you brought my attention uh, to this channel. And uh, I look forward to checking out their videos. 
uh, especially the codex. Uh, that is, someone, someone said old codex, like old codexes. I wrote most of them when they came out. That is a slight issue. Like as as they move forward slightly, there are ones that I'm like, yeah, no, I had that. <laughs> That's <laughs> now now I now I feel ancient. It's uh, it's. I have to admit, nothing they've nothing they've put out has been quite as like has felt quite as brutally aging as the reintroduction of of the Wolfen. That made me feel. That made me feel old mm. because I saw so many people going, "Oh wow, the Wolfen! We've never had Wolfen before." And I'm like, "Yes, we did. Yes, we did. We had in Codex I of Terror. I had a Thirteenth Company Space Wolves army with the old metal, the metal, metal. And yeah. There, there were people like leaving comments on my on my videos that were like, "This is so cool. They've actually made models for these." And I'm like, "Please stop. <laughs> Please." I find I'm just I'm so I'm not I'm not that old I promise it just you're just making me feel it when you're like yeah but that codex like that codex was released the year I was born and I'm like go away <laughs> stop, watching, stop watching my videos <laughs> okay so I have a couple questions for you these are uh, more for uh, kind of like getting to know Kyria behind the scenes uh, I'm just out of curiosity is is your YouTube channel what you do is that your full-time thing? Yes. Yeah, it is. It is now my full-time thing. Um, Fantastic. Like I love the, it. It's been like the main source for for a while. I I was getting away with still having a couple of uh, a couple of of contracts from from an old job of mine uh, until uh, pandemic happened, mm. um, and then unfortunately those those went away. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, it's it's now the the main the main income. That's fantastic. I love it. Uh, so the best way to support Kirioth is on his Patreon. Links have been provided in this post. So you'll see a link to his Patreon plus a link to his YouTube channel. And subscribe to his YouTube channel if you are not already. And uh, You have literally by, literally by saying that reminded me that I am going to update that um, because uh, I started a second channel late last year. Um, which is solely for kit bashing and painting. Oh, nice! Um, because I'm because I'm like I'm trying to just get way better at both. And I thought a fun thing to do would be to just document as much of it as possible, including the things that go disastrously wrong. Because I'm going on the basis that if I've had an idea to do something, surely someone else will have had that idea as well. And if even if I'm showing them the wrong way to do it, so that it's like I tried this method and uh, it flopped, it was an absolute disaster. They can at least see that and go, "I will not do that. <laughs> I will avoid the horrendous mistake you've made and do it differently." Um, so the that's going to be kind of stuff to do with that is also going to be on that same Patreon for the main channel because uh, it's it's all sort of rough, like it's all me, so it's all kind of going to be condensed into that one space. Fantastic. Awesome. Uh, so um, that's very exciting to hear. I love it when I hear that when uh, YouTubers and content creators and that's they transition to doing that full time from their uh, day job. Their it's, What's your what? It's I mean, really nice how many especially like like 40K and uh, just hobby YouTubers as a whole are able to do that now. It, it, it's it's like it's like a properly affirming thing when when you think about how niche like when you think about how niche like 40k for instance could have been uh -huh. for it to be as popular as it is and enable so many people to like make a proper living out of things like battle reports and like i know you've talked to like guy from midwinter minis and scott from miniac and stuff actually having 
having like that kind of creative side of things as well be such a big draw to people uh, that they can actually sit there and do it full time mm. it, it's 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 so good it's yeah i just get every time i hear that someone has managed to make the transition to doing the thing that they love full time as as a job and not you know just make it their main source of income it, it just makes me happy every time so i'm like the more people who can do this the more information there is and you know the the more people can talk about just the hobby in general and especially things like tutorials and stuff i would have killed for channels like like squidmar and miniac and and uh and and midwinter and like channels like that like geek gaming and stuff i would have killed for stuff like that when i was when i was you know younger trying to get into the hobby mm-hmm. Actually, people showing me how to paint things quickly and easily. Mm-hmm. Tutorials on like color theory and stuff. None of that. Like being able to just go, I want to paint a miniature. How do I do it? And being faced with like a wall of talented people who can tell you in detail in easy to digest videos. This is how you get a really good finish. It's it's so good. It's so good for the hobby as a whole. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah, we're certainly spoiled in this day and age to have all this talent at our raw fingertips definitely uh thank you very much guys for uh for tuning in to the shrine of chaos we certainly had a treat today with kirioth and be sure to check out his channels if you haven't done so already uh be sure to stay tuned next week 1 p.m eastern time for the next episode of shrine of chaos and uh that's exactly what this is mr b because you're asking what is this this is the shrine of chaos that you're watching right now <laughs> and uh any uh any last thoughts before we go well, actually, the, the something I wanted to say early on, but uh, I, you've probably noticed over the course of this that my mouth has a habit of running way past what could be deemed acceptable, which is a bad habit that I've not got better at with working solo on a YouTube channel. Turns out that just leaves it wide open for, to just, you know, endless run-on sentences. This, I've really enjoyed this, and this has been really surreal in a way, because I have, like... You guys, I've watched your battle reports from I, I don't don't even know how many years. Like before I even was using my channel to upload stuff, when I was on a different channel entirely, like starting out doing stuff on YouTube. You we talked earlier about like when you could only do like ten minute segments on YouTube mm-hmm. and you couldn't upload anything longer, and then they changed it so that you could, but you had to be I think you had to be partnered or have like yeah. I think it was partnered, wasn't it? Yeah. I you mentioning that. I literally used to watch those 10 minute chunks like all the way back then. So actually being able to sit and and talk and to have this kind of interaction is really nice, but it is also kind of surreal because it's it's like it's like mini wargaming is something that I've kind of experienced from afar for a long time. So the kind of the cross section is really nice, but I just I don't know. I don't think I at any point kind of expected to talk to any of you in this way because i didn't really ever expect to be in this position if that makes sense Mm. it's like it's it's really nice that it's happened but it's it's just one more thing in a long line of how did i end up here this is awesome but what (laughs) what happened it's great don't stop but it's yeah it's 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 kind of it's nice to yeah it's nice to actually have the opportunity to do it and uh, that's very, very well said. I, I couldn't agree more. I, I and I, I certainly understand uh, that feeling because uh, I mean, when we first started, uh, and actually even throughout the years of just continuing, there's always like 
there's always the next thing and there's always like where if i if i stop and just kind of like sit back and look at where we've gone it's it's nuts right like where we are right now it, it's normal it feels like it's okay this is where we are but like 10 years ago i couldn't have imagined that we'd be here right yeah yeah uh, yeah and so it's, it's just the general kind of not just the kind of explosion of youtube as a as a something that people can make a living from but particularly like the hobby side of things like particularly the wargaming community uh it's it's amazing but it's still just so surreal that it's this popular because when you like when you're playing in a local gaming store at the age of like 13 which is so long ago now and it's so depressing um like just the fact that it would be a case if someone goes oh yeah but of course when you you know when when you're 34 there's there's going to be a, a massive community on the internet talking about this all day and all night and there's going to be multiple people who have you know entire businesses and livings revolving around this thing that you're just doing for fun mm-hmm. i it's it's still i don't know it still feels so surreal and so kind of is this actually happening oh yeah it is this is this is amazing mm-hmm. but it's it's i'm kind of hoping that it'll always have that kind of edge of yeah no this is real okay it's fine it's it is happening it's not just like a a really weird dream or like a really weird coincidence it's just a thing that's happening nice Mm -hmm. yeah no well said uh well thanks very much you're certainly welcome back in the shrine anytime especially with your uh lord of skulls converted uh, (laughs) slanesh awesomeness and your knights those were fantastic A, a, a treat to see those uh, thanks for your thoughts and your and your and your ramblings. I will call them that because I'm looking at the comments. They're like, "Yes, he should do a bad report with you guys. It would be 70% ramble and 30% game and 100% awesomeness." Yeah. <laughs> Which I agree. 70% ramble is definitely accurate. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I agree, and like, that's the whole thing because they come to see the personality, so that that's what they'd be getting if they saw you. So it's fantastic. So thanks again, guys. Thank you, Kiriath. Happy war gaming. Thank you. Very-